Welcome to the Digicom Cafe, located at the intersection of faith and technology. We hope you enjoy your cafe experience where we cater to your digital and spiritual appetites, and build interest in the amateur radio hobby, one story at a time. Please stand by as we get ready to launch this episode of, Radio on the Rocks. You are about to listen to a Radio on the Rocks Cafe Cast interview, which occurred on May 7, 2019, in the Digicom Cafe Multimode Communications Network, with Danny J, KD5DLJ, and guest David Goldenberg, W0DHG of Los Angeles, California. Welcome everybody to the Digicom Cafe, here in the Ozarks of Northwest Arkansas. Uh, this evening we've got a special guest with us, his name is David Goldenberg, W0DHG, out in California, and he is uh, a ham that uh, you may have heard of before if you watch any of the amateur radio uh, podcasts on YouTube, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But David, welcome to the cafe. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you got into amateur radio. All right, well, thank you so much for the invitation, Denny. So, uh, yeah, I'm David Goldenberg, W0DHG. I live in uh, Los Angeles, California, or part of Los Angeles, California. And um, I actually got started in amateur radio about nine years ago as uh, as the result of taking a cert class. Uh, our elementary school where I volunteered, where my three children went, uh, brought the county fire department in to teach us all about cert, and at the end, when we were graduating, they had a couple speakers come and talk to us, and several of those speakers were hams. And they said, hey, I don't know if you're interested in a little more technology and, and other ways that you can help your community, you can get your amateur radio license and, and help support the community. And I had actually thought about getting my license uh, in my 20s, but it was uh, a little difficult. I wasn't able to get the Morse code down, so I kind of put it aside. And about three weeks later, I went and sat in the class, and I passed my technician exam. And uh, lo and behold, I was uh, Kilo Juliet 6, Mike Charlie Quebec. Did you ever think of being involved in amateur radio before that? You know, it's interesting. In my 20s, I came across a magazine article, probably in Popular Science or something like that, about the things that you could do with the amateur radio, and this was before the days of the cell phone. And uh, I did look into it. I had a hard time learning the Morse code. Back then in the 1980s, you still had to pass the Morse code exam. So I kind of put it aside until uh, until the CERT class came up, and, uh, and then I jumped in. Well, I know most of our uh, interviewees uh, have gotten their start in CB, and that's what... Uh really wet their whistle for getting into amateur radio. So you never did any CB, huh? You know, I will admit, I I never did any CB early on. I actually had some friends that had them in their cars, but it never caught with me. Um, since I have my amateur radio license, I have uh, acquired a, a couple of CB radios in, in my go box. I have them there, and occasionally I take a ribbing from a ham. Uh, that sees me at an event with a, a CB radio in my go box, and I just think to myself, they don't quite understand the having that extra, you know, 11 meter band is is useful, even if uh, you're uh, just talking to someone that's not a ham. It's funny because uh, that was kind of the same for me. I got into CB after I got my ham radio license, so 
very interesting. You're the only second person I've met that has done it in reverse. <laughs> well, it appears that your reason for getting into amateur radio has little to do with just talking to people and more for a purpose. And it sounds like you're into emergency communications. Is that right? Yeah, that really was the start for me. Uh, you know, I, I got involved uh, again through the the CERT program because I wanted to be able to be there to support my children and support our local elementary school. And um, after I took my exam, when we were still sitting in the room waiting for our results, um, there were probably 40 people that took the class, the one-day ham-cram type course. And they always bring in every every time they do the class, every quarter, a number of ham radio operators to talk to the students about how to get involved. And they had individuals from our local county sheriff's department, and, and they gave their talk. And that was a lot of you, you have to wear a uniform, and you have to shine your shoes, and you have to spend these many hours and do all these things. And the next gentleman that talked was from our local Aries group, and he said, no uniform, no required hours, and we'll do a lot of training, and you come to what you want to come for, and we'll help get you up to speed. And so two weeks later, I was at their first meeting and, and have never looked back. Well, you mentioned about having a gold bag. Uh, give us a rundown of what you've got in your gold bag by way of communications tools. Well, you know, that's interesting. I'm actually putting together the outline for a show for my uh, my podcast ham radio now right now on going to specifically be on you know what your go bag needs to be and so i actually don't have one bag i have a number of bags and it kind of starts with the the grab the grab bag that's a small portable bag and and i almost always keep that with me it's it's actually built into the bag that i take to work uh with my laptop it has uh, an HT, it has a, a handy mic, it has a, a, an extra battery, and in addition to that, it has a, a AAA battery case and a couple of, or AA battery case and a couple of batteries for that. In addition to that, I have um, medications for a couple days. I have to take a couple of pills every day, and it has some Advil, and it has uh, always a liter of water in it, and a couple of snack bars. Um, and, and I always have that pretty much anywhere I go. And then I have a number of other bags for longer, bigger deployments. I have, these are really important ones that we don't put enough emphasis on in the MCOM world, which is things that you need for personal protection, PPEs. Um, in those bags, I have additional food and water supplies uh, for several days. I have change of clothes, uh, extra boots. Uh, a sleeping bag, a small tent, so and um, a small stove, and of course coffee and, and some of those other things. So if I needed to go somewhere and be deployed for a number of days, I, I don't become a burden on someone else. I can take care of myself and, and be secure and comfortable and be able to support the amateur radio side of, of whoever needs it. So I take it you uh, have been deployed or are you just preparing for uh, such a case? You know, I've been involved with our Aries group here in uh, Los Angeles for about eight years. Uh, we have had a couple of deployments over those years. We've been lucky that we haven't had any large uh, earthquakes, which is, I think, most of what we prepare for. Um, there's been a number of fires, and there's been some other uh, localized power outages that, that we've been deployed for, and we step up and, and help the community. 
Well, that's excellent. Uh, now, you really seem to be focusing on the prepping side of things uh, and also being of assistance to your community. Is this kind of what the focus is now for your podcast, Ham Radio Now? Um, you know, when, when I joined Gary, um, Gary had already had about 300 episodes in the can, as it were, um, and, and he kind of covered the board, and, and he added me onto the podcast mostly because he was looking for someone that had the experience in MCOM and wanted to focus on that. I have tried, and and my goal would be to talk about anything amateur radio, whether it be MCOM or digital modes or new technology or whatever it is. I'm, I'm trying not to just be specialized in that area, and, and a lot of it depends on, and, and the challenge that, that I have as a, a producer of content that you may or might not have run into doing your show is finding the people that are available and scheduling and, and getting everybody together. But I would hope to, and, and my goal is to cover kind of anything that's amateur radio related. And I understand you have a passion for kids and you do some other things. You're working with uh, the scout. Uh, tell us more about that and how you integrate amateur radio into uh, that experience. Um, scouting is another one of my passions. It, it actually does take up um, a lot of my time. It's some of the challenges on um, measuring out and being able to balance the, the show and um, my scouting time. My, um, I got involved in scouting uh, a little bit after I got involved in amateur radio. Uh, as my son joined um, the Boy Scouts. And uh, shortly after that, um, I, I have been involved in the outdoors camping, backpacking, um, since I was in, you know, middle school or junior high school, when I was 10 or 11, 12 years old. And, um, I got involved with his troop and went along to help out on a couple trips. And before I knew it, I got tagged to, uh, take over the troop of, uh, that my son belonged to and the 60 other scouts that were involved in that as the old scoutmaster retired when his son left the program and i haven't been involved uh eight or nine years involved in my son's troop after that i uh i stepped on for a short amount of time and scouting program announced that they were allowing girls in and so i came back because i have two daughters uh, 15 and 13 and i'm running the same program with them and, and we're up to 14 girls i believe right now in the same program but separate of the boys so they're they're learning a lot. They're learning all these uh, leadership and outdoor and um, self-sufficiency skills that we teach the boys in the program. And um, as far as amateur radio is concerned, we integrate it very much in our program. When we camp, when we backpack, when we're out on the trail, uh, I always have a radio. A number of our adult leaders have gotten their amateur radio licenses um, as a result of me being in the troop and, and pushing them to do that. And we run our council's Jamboree on the Air program every year in October. Um, there is uh, an event that they do internationally all, all around the world. It's the largest um, scouting event of the year every year. And scouts from all over the world participate on amateur radio and as well as IRLP and other digital modes. Oh, wow. That's really neat. So do they have a uh, merit badge for amateur radio? Yeah, absolutely, they do. There, there is a ra uh, a merit badge, and it's actually called radio. And um, there are 
with any merit badge, there are things that are called requirements. You have to do a certain number of things. And with the radio merit badge, there are three different options to complete it. Um, one is uh, short wave listening. So you can get a radio that will listen to short wave, and, and you have to do some things around that. The other is broadcast type radio, where you can actually kind of do a, a commercial um, listen-only type of a radio activity. And the third one is amateur radio. And they actually uh, re require you to go and visit a station, a, an established amateur radio station, and the youth, the scouting youth, have to actually talk on the air and have a QSO that lasts for 10 minutes to be able to qualify for that. And so the, the Jamboree on the Air and Field Day and some of the other larger activities we do, we always invite the scouts along to participate because it's a great way for them to fulfill the requirements. Now, in the last year, in addition to that, they added on a radio um, uh, fox hunt um, option as well. So as opposed to having your 10-minute QSO, you do a number of fox hunts and um, that will qualify you to complete the radio merit badge. Oh, that's neat. I was a scout many, many years ago. <laughs> I'm uh, 67 today, so it tells you how long ago it was. No, it's good to know that there's uh, great hams out there that are doing the kind of work you're doing. Uh, we need more Elmers for our young people, but it uh, seems to be a bigger challenge these days. Uh, maybe you can testify to that too that uh, with the technology as we have it today young people having smartphones access to communications tools without a license uh, there seems to be a little lack of interest or uh, uh, just negativity about the whole thing like you know why do I have to get a license I can I can do this on my phone now um, do you run into that problem and have you found any particular secrets to capturing the attention of young people to get them interested in our hobby? Yeah, I have I have encountered some of that. Um, with scouts, uh, it, it can be a little challenging at first when we have an event like Jamboree on the Air or Field Day, you can kind of help them understand that I can show them um, that they can talk point to point with someone, say, from Los Angeles, California, to somewhere in Texas or New York or Alabama or Arkansas or, or wherever across the nation. And, and all it really takes is a battery, a radio, and an antenna. And when they say, hey, you know, I have this cell phone, I can do that too. And you explain to them, well, you know, your cell phone just talks to that tower that's down the street. And then the phone company has to take that and put it on, the, on a wire. And that wire takes a lot of electricity and power to route it across the country and some of the scouts they'll they'll get it and they'll understand the the technology and what you're doing and some of them won't and, and what I've kind of figured out is usually when we do Jamboree on the air I'll have 25 or 30 scouts that will come and participate from our Los Angeles County area and um, and they'll earn a merit badge and, and every scout that wants to make Eagle will have to earn at least 21 merit badges, and, and radio is one of the optional ones, and they can use that towards that credit. And I know when we do that, I'm going to have all 25 of them will earn the merit badge that day, but I know that somewhere between three and five of them will get enough interest in what we did to want to come back and, and do our quarterly class and actually 
take the test and earn their license. And we get them more involved after that. Oh, that's great. So what do you do for your uh, regular job? Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. So my regular day job, uh, I've, I've been in uh, information technology for most of my uh, career. I actually started off following in my father's and grandfather's footsteps doing um, pharmacy. They were both pharmacists. And I made it about halfway through the college experience and realized that it wasn't really the job for me. And, and I got into information technology having worked in a pharmacy that became computerized and, and I started teaching some of the older pharmacists how to use the computers and that kind of led to a career and right now I work in the entertainment industry and I my job is uh, business continuity which is kind of like disaster recovery in the IT world but I represent the business interests uh, for my company and make sure that they have all the things they need to recover from a disaster and Maybe you can see a theme there in MCOM and disaster and the what I do for a living. Yeah, I was just going to say that. <laughs> well, you seem very prepared, and uh, we come from kind of a prepping background ourselves. Uh, that's one of the reasons we're here on 15 acres in uh, the Ozarks of northwest Arkansas, coming from the big city of uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, trying to live a self-sufficient lifestyle and stuff here, too. I would imagine you're probably into some of that stuff too it, it's interesting that you say you came from the big city and and you've moved moved out to the country that's one of the one of the goals and the directions that uh, my wife and i have where we are looking to have a more rural self-sufficient lifestyle as we get into our, you know our 50s and getting the kids off to college um so that's one of the goals that we have get out of the big city and and you know live a more simple self-sufficient lifestyle and I've been preparing for that for years and years. I think my wife's, my wife has been driving the change. I don't think she completely has understood the, the where we're going and what it will be, but she'll be in good shape because we'll take care of her. You should do things for your fellow man, and and that drives it. And and it's part of scouting as well. You know, scouting is there to, to do service and support. As you can probably hear through the, you know, my MCOM, my what I do for a living and. And what we do for scouting, it's really a, a lot of service that we do in, in our area. And um, it's a big thing for me. And actually, it's, it's, I'm proud to say my children have picked it up through um, amateur radio. They're all, all three of my children have their tickets and uh, participate on a regular basis. And all three of them are in scouting as well. And they understand the value of community service and, and giving back. Oh, that's wonderful. You must be proud having your kids uh, all in ham radio, too. Very cool. And you seem like a very kind man, and uh, your family sounds very kind and helpful, and that is, uh, that's what it's about. And uh, we sure, sure appreciate all that you're doing in your community and for what you're doing through Ham Radio Now, and I wish you success with that. Would you like to uh, give a little plug about Ham Radio Now and uh, let us know where we can uh, find you and, uh, and maybe a website or uh, maybe a particular podcast site that you're on? I imagine mostly YouTube. Uh, but uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that's great. I appreciate it. So um, Ham Radio Now uh, can be found at hamradionow.tv on the Internet. Uh, we have a whole website there. Uh, in addition to that, if you uh, listen to podcasts, your podcast application, if you search Ham Radio Now, you can find it there, and as well as uh, YouTube, where our, all of our videos are on YouTube. And 
I try to do at least a show every month or two times a month. A lot of it's dependent on uh, getting guest appearances. It can be challenging at times. And we really try to cover the whole gamut of amateur radio from uh, MCOM to contesting to new digital modes to uh, controversies in the amateur radio world around um, you know, licensing changes or how's the league doing or what direction they're going or whatever it is. It's, it's always the story of the week, and we try to follow that as much as we can. Yeah, here's, a, here's one that's kind of a hot topic these days. That's not real ham radio. <laughs> when you start talking about the digital modes like Zello cross-linking into some of these other things, and that's uh, kind of a hot topic. Uh, we're kind of on the forefront of some of that uh, push in the hobby, and uh, we have uh, lots of people that are, are on that bandwagon, especially now that uh, HF is pretty much uh, unusable in most, most cases. There's very little activity on it in this uh, sunspot cycle, but everybody's moving towards digital. And instead of having to have a radio for each mode, we're, pr we're trying to provide a platform where you can use whatever you've got to join with everyone else. And uh, we're having a lot of fun with it. So we might, uh, we might do a little discussion in your show about that. I think we'd have a good time. Well, thank you very much, David. Uh, you've been a great guest, and uh, I love your emphasis. I love what you're doing. Keep it up. Uh, I think uh, we need more people like you out there actively working with young people to uh, bring them into the hobby, to bring them into uh, the community, to be service-minded, and use whatever skills they have and interests they have to benefit the community. So uh, kudos to you. Good job, and good luck with uh, Ham Radio Now. Thank you for being my guest. Well, it sure was a pleasure, and I look forward to uh, returning the favor and having you uh, come join me on my show to, to plug what you're doing, because I think some of the digital stuff is really the way things are going to go in the future as sunspots and electronic interference and other things will kind of continue to eat into our hobby. And thank you. Thank you for listening to this radio on the Rocks Cafe cast. Visit our website at digicomcafe.com to see our extensive digital buffet menu and listen to all of the live conversations on our Cafe on Ice stream or this and many more episodes of our Cafe Cast.